This is the intersection. The intersection. This is the Intersection Podcast for Saturday the 25th of February 2017. Episode 7, Don't Call It a Remake. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Hello and welcome to The Intersection. Welcome to episode seven. My name is Jonathan Wildman. This is the podcast that bridges together the worlds of tech and pop culture. This week, we're going to dive into the world of film. And I'm pleased to say that I'm joined again by uh, film aficionado Bronson Green. Bronson, welcome back. Yeah, hello. Thanks for having me back. So, Bronson, how have you been doing? What have you been up to? I, I, um, I caught the... Uh, Death of Superman Lives that you told me that you were watching the other day. Um, I forgot that I actually had that thing already on my um, on my server at home. Um, right. And I remembered and I didn't actually finish it the first time around. And I remembered why. It's, it's not easy to watch. It goes on for a little bit too long, don't you think? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I When I sat down to watch it, I was expecting it to be a bit wishy-washy. And I thought I'd be disappointed. But it was actually a really good documentary so much so that i was glad that it was quite long and uh, I, I loved it i mean those snippets of cackles of footage from from the late 90s of nick cage and tim burton uh looking at the superman outfit and everything uh, i thought it was uh, it was really good good watch yeah, it was fun to well it's fun to see that footage and um it was it was actually quite nice to see both nick cage and uh, tim burton so excited so excitable and enthusiastic about it but it just seemed to me, first of all, I struggled to watch all of it in one go, so I had to watch it in two parts. But then it just seemed to me like a bit of a hot mess of bad ideas. Like they just were just literally throwing spaghetti against the wall and trying anything. And I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that it being cancelled was probably the best thing because I don't think mainstream audiences would have liked it at all. I think they would have hated it, to be quite honest. My opinion. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it's impossible to really know. Obviously, we'll never know. But I I had that same reaction too, that it was a little bit maybe too out there. Well, I think whereas with Batman, um, there was less pressure on Tim Burton because all he had to do was make something that wasn't camp and silly, like the TV show. Mm. And, and, and obviously, they knocked it out of the ballpark, uh, box office-wise. Uh, but with Superman, obviously, he would have been picking up from where like Richard Donner left off effectively. And yeah, maybe the audiences wouldn't have accepted those ideas. I mean, Nick Cage as Superman, the, the, the haircut, the mullet hairstyle, I'm not sure it looked right on him because his hairlines obviously receded a bit and stuff like that. But having said that, I would have gladly accepted a Superman film from Tim Burton, even if it's a bit of a mess, because it, it would have been better than Superman Returns and, and it probably would have been more entertaining than Man of Steel, right? So I, I'm, I'm forever pining for it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I disagree with Man of Steel. I like Man of Steel. I think Man of Steel's a good movie. Um, Superman Returns, yeah, that was just too much of a nostalgia fest. Um, 
but funnily enough, all the a lot of the ideas, the whole using the whole Superman, you know, the death of Superman storyline and Doomsday and all of that stuff, and Superman returning with the mullet and the black costume. I mean, they're going to use all that for the um, Justice League movie, aren't they? That's why I hear. Yeah, he. Yeah, I've got a feeling that in terms of the imagery and the plot, they'll probably follow the comic very closely. <clears throat> Actually, I think, um, listen, I wasn't a prolific comic book fan as a kid, but I do remember reading those 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 comic books. My brother actually bought them because it was a real event, wasn't it? Superman died and then came back. Yeah, he made uh, 10 o'clock news, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I... Yeah, uh, listen, Man of Steel was okay. I'm, I'm not knocking it. I think it had flaws. I mean, I actually really liked Batman versus Superman, which a lot of people didn't. And it, I think it's totally unjustified that it's like, you know, did, did it win a bunch of Razzies or is it up for a bunch of Razzies? It, 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 well, the funny thing is it got absolutely slaughtered when it was released uh, theatrically. And um, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I think the film falls apart in the last act and i think you get this sense of desperation that they're just desperate to just establish the extended universe if you want to call it that really quickly and it doesn't feel as organic as say marvel have done it um but you know fair enough it's all about money right it's, um and they need to do this as quickly as they need to catch up as quickly as possible um but yeah i think it falls apart in the last act but i do enjoy the movie but a lot of people are now singing the praises of the movie after seeing the extended cut uh, that was released for Blu-ray um, not too long ago. Um, it does actually make it easy to follow um, the plot. Um, does it improve the movie that much overall? I'm not convinced. I don't think it's a bad movie. Like I said, it doesn't do anything for the third act. That's still terrible from my point of view. But Well, here's a funny thing, because I didn't watch it at the cinema. As big as a fan I am of Superman and Batman, I thought, you know what, this is going to be terrible. I'm not going to like it. But then I watched, I think it was the Ultimate Edition. Yeah. Um, which which I think is what you're, the version you're talking about. And um, I really liked it. I guess if you gut that version, you, you possibly make it incoherent. Maybe that's why uh, a lot of people who saw it theatrically um, were slamming it. Um, so, yeah. But just going back to, to Superman in general... Um, I feel Superman Returns and Man of Steel, both of them were a little bit of sort of missed opportunities. And funnily enough, after a couple of days after I watched the documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, I just went onto YouTube to watch some of the old um, Superman cartoons, I think from the 40s, which used to be shown at the cinema. Mm. These, I think Max Fleischer was the producer on them, and they've really got really good production values. And, and those are excellent, by the way. I'd, I'd never sat down and watched them with my full attention before, but those are really, really good. They're an excellent representation of Superman. And funnily enough, the scene in Superman Returns where he catches the, the airplane and he puts it down, I think, in a baseball stadium, that was ripped off whole scale from one of those cartoons, actually. So huh, you learn something new. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm... Yeah, no, I, I like I like Superman. I like the new Superman. I like Henry Cavill. I like uh, I like Man of Steel. I think that's a good movie. Um, I enjoyed Batman versus Superman, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just this rush that they have to get the Justice League established, and the the fact that Superman seem well, it appears that he's going to be absent from 
the majority of um, the Justice League movies, uh, there'd be no pictures of Superman in any of the promo uh, shots that have been released. And we know he's supposed to be dead, but um, and we know he's coming back. Uh, but I get a feeling that he will probably just appear in the last 10 minutes and save the day. And it, it's, it's a shame, really, that they're doing it that way. But what can you do? Yeah, it sounds like they're going to force awakens Luke Skywalker the hell out of Superman. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, nice segue into Star Wars news. Um, Disney yesterday uh, tweeted out uh, the first picture of the cast from their... Han Solo spin-off movie, which I believe is due to be released next year. Is it next December? No, next next summer. Uh, May 25th next year, 2018. Um, so, yeah, we see... Um, uh, who's playing Han Solo? Um, Alden Enerick, is that how you say his name? Um, and then you've got this... I've no, got no idea how you pronounce his name. I've never heard of him before, but apparently he's a good actor. He's a good actor. Um, and then you've got uh, this Donald Glover guy playing Lando Calrissian. And, and funnily enough, you've got Woody Harrison in the um, cast. I didn't know he was in the movie. Who's he playing? Oh, I wish he plays a like a dopey uh, alien uh, barkeep uh, in, in a bar that uh, Han Solo and Chewie walk into. That'd be great. Uh, that Obviously, that won't happen. I think he's going to play Han Solo's mentor or something. Um. Okay, so there's that. It doesn't excite me at all, by the way, seeing this photo. I really couldn't care less. Um, a lot of fanboys are getting excited about the fact that, oh, they're in the Millennium Falcon. We've seen enough of the Millennium Falcon. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just, re- I feel nothing about this movie. I just don't <clears throat> care. Um, I, I mean, Disney also um, announced a plot, and it's quite funny because there is no plot. So this is the official strap line for the plot uh the movie um explores the adventures of han and chewbacca before the events of star wars and new hope including their early encounters uh with that other card playing rogue from a galaxy far far away lando calrissian that's your synopsis okay well yeah i think my reaction to the photo was very similar to yours uh, um it looked like a bunch of kids plus woody harrelson didn't it in that photo yeah and it i i got Purely from that, I got the feeling that they were trying to set this up as a franchise, as in maybe two or three of these Han Solo movies. Um, I, I, yeah, we've seen so much of the Millennium Falcon. There was no need for them to have it center stage in The Force Awakens. The fact that it's going to be center stage in a spin-off movie doesn't excite me very much. Uh, it's another sort of uh, quite predictable kind of cynical step in the direction that Disney are taking Star Wars in. But having said all that, I'm not going to go into the movie thinking, right, give me a great Star Wars film. I'm going to approach it the way I approached Rogue One, which was, you know what? If it entertains me, like those Star Wars Marvel comics used to do in the 80s, mm-hmm. that, that'll that be enough for me. I'll, I'm going to I'm gonna take it like that. It's not a movie I'm going to see more than once. I'm going to go in, entertain me, please, just like Rogue One did. Thank you very much. And, uh, and and that'll be all. And I won't criticise it too much for it for its shortcomings because it's not a, a saga film. It's a it's a spin off. So hey, no yeah, I know. And it's too it's too early to to criticise it. Really, we, we all we've seen is like that cast photos. We haven't seen or heard it much else. Um, I'll probably give it a pass. I probably won't go to the cinema to watch this one. Um, it like I said, it doesn't excite me at all. And Rogue One, I I, I Rogue One was better than I expected. Uh, but I can't see myself. Um, 
going to the, to, to the cinemas every time one of these spin-off movies are released. Um, there's just not enough pull there for me. Hey, listen, once the uh, promotional machine for the Han Solo movie gets into effect and they release a few clips and the clips maybe look okay, um, you'll probably think, you know what, okay, I'll go to the theatre and watch it. Come on, you, you might as well admit that. You probably will, right? I don't know, you know. I mean, I, I think this isn't like Rogue One. And I'll tell you why this isn't like Rogue One. Because it's almost as if Disney have set themselves up to fail. They There's so many large shoes that need to be filled in in this movie you've got han solo and immediately i don't know much about this guy this actor who's playing him um but immediately we're going to be comparing him to harrison ford right i mean yeah. there's a lot of pressure on the lad but we got, immediately we're going to say oh is he he's not much like harrison ford oh he doesn't deliver that line like harrison ford and and we're going to be judging his performance of harrison ford's performance of han solo so um it's it's yeah it's inevitable and i don't envy his task it's going to be interesting to see whether they take it down the road that they did in indiana jones and the last crusade when i think spielberg said to river phoenix don't do a harrison ford impersonation because listen i think you've seen me do harrison ford impersonations especially after i've had a few beers uh, it's a pretty shocking impression, but it's probably kind of accurate where he's got he's kind of got that robotic running style mm. uh, with his chest out and his, his shoulders back. It's actually quite a good technique, uh, his running technique. Um, the, the expressions that he does, uh, the, the way he sort of um, lifts one eyebrow and he's obviously got a very sort of deep sonorous voice like this. Um It'll be interesting to see whether this guy does an impression of him or whether he does some kind of interpretation of him. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's got it all to do, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a tough one. I I, um, I I think Disney should probably stay away from these uh, the main Star Wars characters when doing these spin-off movies. I mean, Rogue One was perfect. Having the, the cameos. The, you know the, the vader and leia that that kind of worked um but you know what you know we see a han solo movie are we gonna see a boba fett movie is that gonna interest anyone are we gonna see an obi-wan kenobi movie which wouldn't be bad actually if you and mcgregor uh you know takes a role yeah the they game, can but, do that one yeah, yeah. they can yeah, they can definitely do that one yeah and um yeah I, mean, I don't know i don't know we'll see i i, I just think that um audiences will soon have a little bit of star wars fatigue and i, I can't see this particular movie doing that well after you know it'll do well in its first weekend after that it'll it'll, it'll peter off i think i i don't know do you know I, I listen i think we both speculated that there might be something similar with rogue one but that went on to make a billion dollars so this one if it's got enough fan service in it which i'm sure it will have they might just be able to pull off another billion dollar trick it's possible. It's possible. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you one word that describes why Rogue One uh, made a billion dollars. Vader. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, it remains to be seen. It's it, it, we can't judge it. We haven't seen anything from it, and it's totally unfair. And it's totally un. You know, you know, we've been un. I'm being slightly unfair to uh, this 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 actor, this young actor who's playing Han. So we, we'll we'll see. We'll give it we'll give it a chance yeah. when the time's right. Um, we, we we certainly should. And just one sorry, one final comment. Do you know what I? 
just one other reason why I really don't envy um, this guy's Alden, whatever his name is. Um, I really don't envy his task because uh, if you get an actor or an actress playing a young, playing Leia at a different age or playing Luke at a different age, that's something else. You know, obviously they're not. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill aren't huge movie stars. Harrison Ford is a bona fide movie star, isn't he? He's a yeah. movie star. Yeah. Jack Nicholson's a movie star, like Gary Cooper or Clark Gable or or any of those guys were movie stars. Harrison Ford is a superstar. So for this guy to have to emulate arguably Harrison Ford's most iconic definitive role, yeah, yeah, we uh, listen, good luck to him. <laughs> yeah, good luck to him. Um, yeah, so that that's in um, that's that's in summer next year, and I suspect that that will actually get pushed back to December again. That seems to be what Disney are doing these days. Uh, but speaking of Star Wars, uh, on the subject of Star Wars, still um, the toy packaging uh, for Episode Eight, uh, The Last Jedi, was uh, unveiled or revealed by Disney this week, and um, you know there's right. a, there's a lot of unnecessary hyper analysis of the packaging and the look of the characters i think we see poe dameron we see ray with an all new exciting look various blog bloggers say and um finn and i'm not so quite sure what's so exciting about ray's new look she just has her hair down uh, but then that she looks exactly the same yeah it's uh for me that was another one of those things a complete non-story there's uh there's sort of YouTubers and bloggers and vloggers out there who uh, they just want to take any crumb and spin it into a, a news story. It's a non-story. It's um, yeah, it's Daisy Ridley with her hair down. You know, we've seen her like that at premieres and stuff, haven't we? The other the other reason why there's no real magic about it is the other two guys look completely the, the way they did in the Force Awakens, right? I think um, John Boyega had that leather jacket on, and Poe Dameron was wearing his X-wing. Uh, pilot's helmet which again you know bore but that's not them three years on from the force awakens is it that's them like a couple of weeks or whatever well the, after for, well, the force awake well well episode eight won't start three years on after the force awakens it'll start immediately afterwards as the rumors say exactly. and um but it's funny you mentioned john boyega uh finn on on, on the uh, the packaging he's wearing the same leather jacket isn't he yeah so, he is didn't that get sliced up yeah, I thought so. Yeah, like Kylo Ren. Yeah, unless they, uh, you know, um, threaded up the 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 big slash that you did on on Finn's back and uh, repaired the bloody jacket. Yeah, it looks to me like it's the exact same jacket. Hmm, interesting. And then, so this is apparent. So this is the new. I mean, the impression I'm getting is this is the the new the, the new trio, the the main trio of these new movies. Much like we had probably uh, we had Han, Luke, and Leia. Um, as as often as people like to leave out Lando, but yeah, Han, Luke, and Leia from the original uh, trilogy, and but we haven't really. I mean, Poe Dameron wasn't even supposed to survive Episode Seven, so we haven't seen him interact with Ray at all. Do you think they're gonna they're trying to uh, recreate the magic that the uh, that uh, the original three had, the chemistry original three had, and all? Do you think this is just simple merchandising and? Uh, well, these are the only characters that we've seen from the last movie, so they're not going to show us anything else for now. It could be the latter. Um, Heroes, that it, is. Obviously, we've seen Kylo Ren, but yeah. Yeah, it's three very recognisable faces from The Force Awakens, so it could just be that. If they are, however, 
sort of leaning more towards the former. If they are trying to create that this is the holy trinity for, for these movies in terms of the heroes, and by the way, there might be a love triangle. If they go down that road, it's just going to be a desperation, isn't it? Disney making it up as they go along. Because as you say, Poe Dameron wasn't supposed to uh, survive to the end of that movie. And um, I think if they if they do a love triangle, that, that would be kind of stupid because really the two that should be together would be Finn and Ray. They should be the ones ending up getting back together. If if they try and, sorry, not back together, they, they should be the two that end up becoming an item, if you like. Yeah, based try, on the journey, yeah. Yes, based on who they are and their journey together and everything, yeah, absolutely. But if they try and shoehorn in some, you know, Poe Dameron having designs towards, um, uh, I can't even remember her name now, Ray, um, it's just going to, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be like, what's the word I'm looking for? Desperately kind of reaching, trying to emulate the original trilogy, and it's, it would just be a bad idea. Mm. Well, it remains to be seen. We'll, 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 I'm looking forward to a trailer, actually, but I don't think we'll get that until uh, later on in the spring. But the reason why Disney released this uh, this the merchandise packaging for us to all see is is is, is ahead of um, Force Friday. So Force Friday is the merchandising event where the the first line of the uh, the new new toys uh, get released, and that is scheduled for September the first, um, and. Yeah, I used to, well, it's always good to go along to a toy shop and just see what's there, to be quite honest. I think you remember you told me that you were, you took a wander into Toys R Us or whatever when the Episode 7 toys were released, and uh, just to see what's what. Yeah, yeah, true. But I think, um, I mean, I, in the last podcast that we had, and we talked a lot about Star Wars, didn't we? And I think I talked about how, they went retro and they completely didn't try and bring in a new aesthetic for Star Wars for that film in terms of the look of the characters and the ships. They went backwards instead of forwards. That affected my passion for the toys. When I looked at the toys, I thought they're so desperately trying to pull on the heartstrings of people who were kids when the original trilogy came out. The toys were soulless, had no value. I mean, you can argue that Star Wars has always been an industry unto itself because it's such a huge money-making machine. But there was always heart there because you knew Lucas pretty much had the sign-off on everything. Now, accountants have got the sign-off on everything. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And, and when the Rogue One toys came out, I, do you know what? I, I looked at them for five minutes and I just jogged on. Didn't pick anything up. Didn't want to buy anything. D- didn't like the look of the toys. The three and three-quarter inch figures, were there's nothing inspired about them. And my reaction to the, the episode eight, toys will be the same the, the soul's kind of just going out of star wars a little bit so i'm not that excited about force friday yeah it's no longer a special event i remember uh but i mean i, I remember the buzz around they're going back the prequels episode one when all the, the episode one phantom menace toys were released and people just went crazy that was nice but you're right you know more and more of these movies get released it loses its it loses um its edge a bit and um yeah force friday Whoopie do, big deal. Uh, September the first, um, but you know what? On the subject of the toys, so my son collects a lot of the toys, and he has quite a few of the Force Awakens toy collection. And we haven't actually seen. Have you seen an, um, a Leia and a Han Solo toy from the Force Awakens? I haven't seen one. Um, or even a Luke one. I. You mean like a three and three quarter inch figure of yeah. any of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three and three quarter inch figure. I don't. 
Uh, yeah, I'm sure I've seen a Han Solo one, yeah. I've, uh, I've certainly seen the, I think they call them the Black Series. I've certainly seen Black Series ones of Leia and Han, if, I, if, I, if I'm not imagining that. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure I've seen a Han Solo three and three quarter inch figure and, and possibly a Leia one as well. Hmm. Maybe they're just harder to get a hold of. Maybe, but definitely not a Luke Skywalker one. All right. Um, so Bronson, we mentioned, uh, that, uh, we talked about this, this Han Solo, young Han Solo movie and, and the pressure that's on this, this, this actor, Alden Enerick, I think his name is, um, sort of, uh, stepped into the shoes of Harrison Ford of, you know, it's going to, people are going to be in, comparing to Harrison Ford. And that kind of brings us to the topic I want to discuss this week. Last, um, last time we were together, we talked about the unnecessary sequel and Hollywood's obsession with, 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 with unnecessary sequels. But now I want to sort of talk about Hollywood's obsession with endless remakes, reboots, reimaginings of, of, of successful films and, and film franchises from, from before, mainly from our childhood. Um, now, Indiana Jones is one, for example. Now, Lucasfilm, Disney bought, purchased Lucasfilm, and you know that they're going to make an Indiana Jones movie. And I've heard rumors that there have been rumors that it's going to be a younger Indiana Jones. I think Chris Pratt's name has been thrown around, but I've also heard rumors that it'll be a straightforward sequel with Harrison Ford. I don't actually see them doing this. Can you imagine them rebooting Indiana Jones? Would that even work? Yeah, they'll definitely reboot it at some point. If it's not in the next few years, um, it will, you know, it might be 10 or 15 years. Disney owned the property now, and that's just another cash cow that's sitting there waiting to be milked. So without a doubt, they will delve into it. They might, do you know what, they might make another sequel with Harrison Ford, and then in six, seven years, they might reboot it, whether it's with Chris Pratt or someone else, I don't know, but they will. I'm sure they will. Sorry, it's like me sitting here, with trepidation for the last 10 years, just sweating and waiting for that news to break on the internet that they're finally going to reboot Back to the Future. You know, they're they're, going to reboot everything, aren't they? Let's be honest. It's just a matter of time. It's well, it's it's a matter of time. Although funny, you mentioned Back to the Future because that's not going to happen. Apparently, Um, Robert Zemeckis, um, he said he's mentioned it several times, actually, that is some sort of... uh, some sort of clause or something saying that uh, as long as he's alive and Bob Gale as well, as long as they're alive, then no one's allowed to remake or touch back to the future. Well, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the studio employs some North Korean tactics and uh, assassinate them both by wiping <laughs> the chemical on their faces uh, to get them out of the picture. And the, yeah, they might, they might well wait until Bob Gale and Rob Zemeckis are dead. And then I'm sure at some point they'll, uh, They'll they'll spin off from it or they'll they'll reboot it. It's too too well known a property for them not to because look, they only made three of those films. The last one was in what 1990 it came out or was it 93? I can't remember the year now. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. You know, more than well 20 25 years I guess, and it's still got massive brand awareness. Everyone kind of knows Back to the Future, don't they? And all that recent um, nostalgia, wave of nostalgia, when, when we sort of reached the year 2015, the, the future that they went to in Back to the Future Part 2 and all of that stuff, like the Night Trainers being released and, and, and all the all of the, the sketches that um, uh, uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd did on those various US chat shows and all that sort of stuff, just celebrating the movie. Um, 
yeah, I mean, there is a has been a, a recent wave of nostalgia for Back to the Future, but they won't touch it. And I'm I'm reading actually uh, Robert Zemeckis's quote. He says, "It can't happen." He says categorically, "It can't happen until both Bob and I are dead." And I'm sure they'll do it. And no, because and then I'm sure they'll do it unless there's a way our states can stop it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that sounds vehement. But um, we've heard stuff like this before. And it doesn't take a lot for people to sell out. And before you know it, the reboot will be announced and then we'll hear these people, Bob Zemeckis, whatever, turning around saying, do you know what? We were resistant to it, but we just came across an amazing script and an amazing concept and an amazing director. And they'll be tub thumping just so that they, because there'll be some sort of profit participation in it, obviously, for them. And, you know, they'll probably sit there and think, well, why don't we just let them do it? It might make an, an extra little nest egg for our great-great-grandchildren, you know, a bit more money in the coffers. Maybe I'm sounding hyper-cynical at the moment, but I'm, I'm just convinced that it's an inevitability. So the reboots have gone out of control recently in Hollywood. I mean, we've just, just by memory, we've recently had, what have we had? We've got The Mummy was remade, rebooted. Yeah, um, that, that trailer. Tom Cruise, terrible. right? Yeah, Tom yeah, Cruise. Terrible. We've got. I, I saw. I saw a post for King Kong. They're making another King Kong movie, really. And um, yep. Ghostbusters, which I didn't catch. You caught Ghostbusters, the all-female Ghostbusters. Was that any good? No, it was worse than, than I thought it was going to be. You're better off watching the extracts from that computer game, which you can probably find on YouTube, where someone will have spun it into feature-length film that that was you're better off watching that ghostbusters 3 than the the trash that uh came out last year so the cutscenes from the computer game feel more like a legitimate ghostbusters 3 than this exactly so the ghostbusters with um um melissa mccarthy and who's the other two i can't remember um they oh three there's three of them isn't there there's four of them in total um is that a sequel or a reboot or what? Because the um, the original guys, or those who are still with us, Dan Aykroyd, um, Bill Murray, they're, they're in it, aren't they? They have cameos in it, or yeah, there, there was a long sort of um, there was a bunch of incidents, wasn't there, in the making, in, in the build up to the making and the release of that film, and there was obviously a lot of negative um, talk on the internet from fanboys, and then Sony spun that into saying, oh, anyone who's decrying the new female Ghostbusters is a misogynist and that's disgusting. They tried to, the PR machine tried to spin it that way. And then there was a bunch of stuff that came out when uh, Sony got hacked and we found out that Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray, all, everyone's, they all got big profit participation. That's why they all had cameos in it. Yep. Um, not playing, you know, Peter, Ray and Winston, but um, those actors, Dan Ackwood, Bill Murray and um, Ernie Hudson, they, they had cameos as, as just, you know, stupid side characters. And, um, it, but it was a confusing thing because I think one of the early trailers of that Ghostbusters film said that 25, 30 years ago, four scientists saved New York from ghosts or something. I think that title card, a title card like that comes up at the start of the very first teaser trailer for that film. Right. That makes it feel like a sequel, but it was in fact a reboot. So it was completely confusing. Everyone behind it at Sony, um, it's made a complete hash of it, and uh, I think the the head of Sony is it Amy Pascal? I think yeah. I, I think it was a lady called Amy Pascal. And I, I, I try not to keep tabs on all these sleaze, sleazy Hollywood uh, bean counters, 
but um yeah she she really really um pursued the guy who ended up directing it um i can't even remember the dude's name but paul uh, fig paul fig or something yeah. yeah um quite a well-dressed guy actually every time you see him he's wearing a really nice suit but that's about the best thing i can say I'm not a big fan of his other movies. I haven't even watched any of his other movies from start to finish. Maybe maybe they're not that bad. I don't know. I'm not, not going to knock the guy too much. But he was heavily pursued to make the film, and he's made a complete hash of it, you know, and um, it's not a good movie. It's not a good Ghostbusters movie. And, yeah, Sony deserves a massive slap in the face. But it didn't surprise me. And, and you, you probably remember, and a lot of our listeners will probably remember, that um, quite a big YouTube celebrity, Angry Video Game, angry video game nerd all oh, right yeah he did a non-review of the film or, or or he he released a video where he promised to do a non-review he said why should i review this when i already know it's going to be rubbish <laughs> and uh and then he he basically the i think the sony pr machine went into overdrive trying to call him a um a greasy fat woman hating fanboy who lives in his mother's basement um, and doesn't want to give women a chance. They try to spin it into that. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I think virtually everyone who analyzed the situation backed him up and said, this guy shouldn't be getting the stick that he's getting. It's insidious what they're trying to do here. Um, but it, it was a mess. And and look, he was right. He knew, based on Hollywood's behavior, um, when we look at the other reboots, whether it's Total Recall, Robocop, whatever, we know it's never going to be better than the original there is in fact i think we had a brief conversation about this a couple of days ago um we were messaging each other weren't we and you sort of hit me with a question has there ever been a reboot or a remake that's been better than the original the only one that i can think of is um my little pony my little pony (laughs) stay with me for a moment stay with me so uh, I'm not I'm not a brony as they call them. Apparently, there's loads of My Little Pony fans out there who are blokes. I'm not one of them. The reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because my niece is a huge fan. So she's she's actually 11 now, but she's been a big fan of My Little Pony for the last you know five, six, seven years. And she has seen the original from the 80s. She has seen the original My Little Pony movie from the 80s, which had the voices of Danny DeVito and people like that in it. And um, she's also seen the rebooted cartoon, which has been on our screens for the last 10 years or more. Right. And I asked her, listen, I personally think all the Saturday morning cartoons from the 80s are better than what you kids have. Because my niece and nephew, they sit down and they, they watch, you know, Phineas and Ferb, SpongeBob SquarePants, all these cartoons that are popular now. I said to her, do you think the old My Little Pony, don't you agree with me that the old one was better and it had better animation, so on and so forth? There was a pause, and she actually really deeply thought about it. And she said, no, I prefer the new one. I was like, like, wow. I said, okay, why? And she said, "Um, the storyline's a bit better. The characters are a bit more interesting. And, um, yeah, it's it's got continuity from one episode to another, which which she really appreciates as well. So that's the only property I can think, which has been – I mean, you could argue it's not Hollywood. It's kind of Hasbro. I don't know which state they're based in. But it's a big property, which is part of the whole Hollywood machine, if you like. Yeah, it's and, huge, yeah. Um, it's the only one that I can think of right now which has arguably improved in the original. Well, um, 
I've, I've thought of an example. I, I struggle. I struggle to find an example, but one could argue that Scarface, Brian De Palma's Scarface, um, was became a cult classic in its own right. It was a remake. It was a remake of the How the Hawks version in 1932. Um, one could argue that's an example of remaking something, giving it um, a, a modern twist, and it, it becoming its own thing. But they're remaking that remake. Did you hear about that? And I was shocked to discover this, actually. They are remaking Scarface. Due for no, release I, next I year. didn't. Yeah, next year, 2018. I'm not I'm not surprised, but um, I, no, I hadn't heard any. Who's going to be playing Tony Montana? Um, I don't know. Let's see. I know the uh, the Coen brothers are writing it. And I was actually very surprised to hear this because it's unnecessary. And it's so, like I said, it's so... Um, the remake, when I say the remake, the Brian De Palma one is so... Um, it's such a cult classic and, and so iconic, I would still say, that it's completely unnecessary to remake it again. Yeah, but it was... You bring up a really interesting subject because it was completely fine that they remade it because technologically, cinema production and exhibition had moved on so much in the 50 years or the 45 years, whatever it was, between the original Scarface, which was a Howard Hawks film, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And and it, yeah, it was a propaganda piece as well. You know, the US government warned about the evil sort of, you know, organized crime, yep. but yeah. I think they wanted him to win at the end, but yeah, they had to kill him, didn't they? Because they had the, the production, they had this code, didn't they? Where they had to show bad guys getting their comeuppance back in the day. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, the, yeah, that was fine. You know, the original Scarface was an Italian, wasn't he? Played by um, an Italian actor, I think, in fact. And um, and they, yeah, they obviously widescreen, full color, pop music on the soundtrack. You know, a Cuban instead of an Italian, based on the real emigration, the wave of people from Cuba to America. It was, you know, Oliver Stone writing the script. It was completely justified that they remade that, even though it flopped at the box office, didn't it? Yeah, it did, uh, yeah. I think, I think Brian De Palma always jokes that Michael Mann made a lot more money out of Scarface than he ever did because he basically lifted the aesthetic wholesale for, uh, for Miami Vice. Miami Vice, yeah. Um, which is a little bit harsh. I think Miami Vice took what Scarface had and... and arguably made it better but have we moved on so far technologically in the last 35 40 years that they should be making remaking it again no definitely not well it, i mean you asked to so it's due for release next year 2018 you asked who's playing tony montana um i can't see a single member of the cast listed here i'm on the internet movie database nothing no one there. All we've got is the producers, executive producers, and who's head of the hair department. There is not nothing else. Nothing else. I think it's obvious that it's another situation of um, Hollywood slimeball executives in their thirties sitting in a room somewhere saying, "Oh, let's let's remake Scarface. Why not? Yay! You've got the green light. Let's do that." That's purely what that is, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, uh, Hollywood's creatively bankrupt right now. With these constant um, remakes. Oh, they're not remakes. We're not allowed to call them remakes. They are reboots, aren't they? That's the official buzzword now. They're reboots. Yeah. Um, well, you call them what you want, I suppose. You know, you, you can't uh, polish a turd and you rose by any other name and all. You know, call it what you want. We, we know what it is. It is what it is. So I'm, I'm, I was going through a list of 
ones that are are in the works. The remakes are in the works, and um, you've got so Disney are remaking all of their animated classics into live action movies. They've already started with the Jungle Book. They've got Beauty and the Beast. They're doing the Little Mermaid, the Lion King. So they're going through the entire back catalogue. You've got like eighties movies such as uh, Splash and War Games and Porky's being all being re- remade. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jumanji's been remade recently, which is completely pointless. I think The Rock's in that one. An American Werewolf in London's been remade. Commando's being remade. Short Circuit is being remade. That's totally unnecessary. Um, There's just no end to this nonsense. But what about... Um, so those are films that have been remade, but what about the, those that uh, are taking... are bringing franchises from the 80s in particular to the big screen like they've done quite well haven't they with transformers and teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah well that's you really opened the can of worms there um i think uh i think it's okay if you're going to take something like masters of the universe for example they made it into a lot a feature film in in the late 80s it obviously had a small-ish budget and it basically it was just a big rip-off of Star Wars with uh, most of the movies set on Earth, obviously for budgetary reasons. Uh, that's getting that, remade as well, by the way. That I've not got a problem with them remaking. Masters of the Universe on the big screen with a proper budget. They do it properly. I'm looking forward to it. Directed by Mick G. So you may change your mind. Well, well yeah, now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did you have to tell me that? Oh, God. Right, but now I had the same attitude towards uh, Transformers, but then when I heard Michael Bay was doing it, obviously I was very sceptical, and then when I saw the final product, I threw up. So obviously, from my point of view, that one didn't work. Is Um, it really that bad, though? Because they've made how many now? Four, five? More than that, and I think Slate, they've got another two or three or four at least slated, because these movies are making massive money globally. I think they're necessarily smashing things up domestically in North America, but I think they're being lapped up in China and Russia and the emerging markets. And uh, this, yeah, they're, they're still making enough money and shifting enough toys that is justified for them to keep making them. But the funny thing is, Transformers fans who are big fans of G1, like me, G1 being Generation One, the original uh, toy line, if you like, from '84 to about whenever it was '92. Um, we, I think most of us hate them. And listen, I'm part of a Facebook group, which is called Legions of Transformers, and it's Transformers fans posting things all the time. And some of the discussions on there, it looks like the camp's split 50-50. Half of us seem to hate them. Half of them have the attitude of, well, do you know what? At least we're getting Transformers films, and it's brought the brand back into the center stage. Much like Star Wars. Yeah, we'll go and see it. It's a new movie. We'll give it a chance. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think those people are completely entitled to their own opinions. It's absolutely fine. They go and they they work nine to five, Monday to Friday. And on Saturday, when they go with their kids to the cinema and they're sitting down and watching this, you know, with, with Megan Fox looking sexy and Shia LaBeouf, you know, his pratfalls and jokes and then and, and you get big, Bay action. They're like, yeah, why not? It's okay. I can enjoy it. Why not? They have that attitude. Me and you, and people a little bit more like us, a bit more passionate, perhaps, and less passive. We can spot a turd from a mile away, can't we? We're we're hip to the BS, <laughs> and, uh, and and you know we don't live in Russia and China. We're not going to go to the uh, to our local theater, watch this thing in three D, 
and spend the same amount that we spend on our ticket on food as well, we're, we're, we're going to stay at home. But there's enough of those people in those emerging markets watching this trash, which means, unfortunately, yeah, they've made about, I think, five or six now of these movies. I've lost count. They, at least they're going to make another two or three. I know that for a fact. Mm. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, though. I mean, they, they are, like, the the original fan base, those who, were, you know, who experienced Transformers from the 80s as children and have grown up now, and they tend to be more sort of uh, negative about the bringing this franchise tries to a, a new generation through these Michael Bay movies and, 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 and such. But um, they're popular. I mean, it wouldn't make more and more if they weren't popular. So do you think that bringing it back, giving it um, a big budget uh, CG fest, modern twist, um, strengthens the franchise overall or weakens it? Um, that's a really good question. I suppose it strengthens profile of the brand but from my point of view does it strengthen the franchise no because if you're making more of something but you're making but a lot of it's mediocre um you're kind of diluting the quality of it as with star wars which we've we've talked about at length and i am also a fan of the transformers comics right and those are really popular if you the funny thing is you walk into a comic store in uh, in london okay you see all the comics that you would expect to be there, the, the monthly comics like uh, Spider-Man, Deadpool, Batman, Superman, all traditional characters, if you like, traditional comics. You will also see at least one or two or three Transformers comic books as well. You know, one of them might be based on a toy line, one of them based on the Generation 1 um, toy line, one of them might be based on Robots in Disguise, which I think is what the, uh, the cartoons called these days for the kids. That, that iteration of Transformers. Um, if you read the comics, and there's obviously a lot of people out there that do, that read the comics that are based on the Generation 1 storyline, I think the problem people like me have is that we want to see movies based on that aesthetic and those characters. Not necessarily saying they need to throw $200 million and make a live-action film of those. I'm, I'm thinking, why can't they make a theatrical Generation 1 perhaps all CG movie, which would lend itself perfectly to something like Transformers and not give humans so much screen time because true fans of the old Transformers, if you like, we are more interested in the robots being center stage, not John Turturro being center stage wearing you know, stupid underpants, which has got the logo on them of the Secret Service company. Uh, uh, bloody agency that he works for. We're not interested in all that crap and having Bumblebee as one of the main characters in all the movies. We we want to see the the story expanded and we want the universe to explode out to be set on various planets, not just one or two planets. So you want is, another animated movie, basically? Um, do you know what? If they made um, a sequel to the 1986 Transformers animated movie. I can tell you for a fact that would make quite a lot of money, especially if they kind of imitated the old cell-drawn animation, which, for example, production companies in Japan still do. They still, even though we've got all this technology now, there's still an appetite out there for that animation, which has that cell-drawn animation look. If they made a Transformers movie like that, yeah, people would flock to see it, uh, I'm sure, even though the original in 86, for one reason or another, flopped um, theatrically. It's a bit like Blade Runner. Since then it's actually gone on to become legendary 
I had no idea it flopped at the time. No, I had no idea. I thought it did well. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to see it. Unfortunately, I think all three Hasbro movies flopped. Um, My Little Pony flopped at cinema. Transformers did. And then they were going to release G.I. Joe, or as we used to call it in the UK, Action Force. But when they saw the box office results for the other two, they, do you know what they, you know what they did? They were just, they were right, they animated the whole thing, the G.I. Joe movie, but they'd only scored the opening scene. Oh. And when they realized they were only going to release it on video, or, or, or in fact, I think in, it might have premiered on American TV in, in 20 minute episodes. Um, when they realized they were going to do that, they just dropped the, the orchestra and they said, we're not going to score the rest of it. We'll just use the stock music that we used to use for the TV show. So if you actually go and watch the G.I. Joe movie now, which is a pretty good film, it's about an hour and a half long, um, you will notice that the opening scene's got this big new opening montage sequence, and then the rest of the film's got great animation, but it's got terrible stock music over it. And, and that it was going to be big, by the way. I think we had Don Johnson doing one of the voices. Obviously, he was a big star back then, Mary Vice. Yeah, that, it was going to be a big thing, but they, they dropped it. So yeah, Hasbro's movies actually flopped back then which stopped a possible trend stopped those sequels but I, I don't see why they can't maybe even if they took a bit of a pixar type made a cg movie which maybe doesn't have the cell drawn animation look but just had the g1 characters a storyline if they did that people like me would probably go and watch that film at least you know two or three times yeah the problem with uh you know doing it that way is that it limits the audience with, with having you know a bunch of humans on center stage as well as the the robots i, I imagine they can they bring in various various stars and they, they you know they attract a big audience for example megan fox is probably the only reason why i sat through the first one i won't lie to you um is she still in it um no she's long gone they i think she was in the first two and then every movie since i think they've had another really attractive young nubile female as one of the lead characters well there you go then <laughs> so um didn't um so the, i think the next one is a fifth one i think uh, was it called the last night or something like that and wasn't there like a trailer uh, during the super bowl like a, an extended trailer or something like that yeah i think they're they spending showed? a lot of money on the promotion of it yeah yeah what were your thoughts on that does it look much of a muchness or yeah it just looks like the the same load of sort of trash that um that we've had previously i'm certainly not gonna watch it at the cinema i mean you're talking to a guy here who's a massive transformers fan as you know you yeah. know i've i've read a lot of the comics and i've uh, got a lot of the the action figures and um you know spent a lot of money on the franchise but i'm yeah i'm not going and watching these movies at the cinema but you know what i don't think hasbro are worried about that because in their corridors of power they've got this brand broken down into three um three sort of categories if you like one category is um the michael bay movies and all the merchandise they make and sell based on that the other category is um the cartoon that's currently on tv for kids which which i mentioned earlier is called robots in disguise and that's got a completely different look to it and the, it's got a completely different toy line and then they've also got um the adult collectors which is probably the section i fall into and uh, they haven't made any movies for that um, segment of fan, 
but they have made a lot of toys and comic books and stuff like that. So I guess that's where they're getting the money out of my pocket into their pockets. So they're probably not too bothered about me whinging about there not being a film. No, they're probably not. And to be quite honest, I can see him milking the cow until it keels over. So, um, I mean, people will eventually get fed up with them. But um, say what you want about Michael Bay, but people tend to lap up his movies. Um, as lazy a filmmaker as he is, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well is is is, is doing very well. Um, and I, I, I couldn't sit through those either. I tried watching the first one and I... Nah. I'm, I'm surprised by that because I, I have to admit this i've been i've been bashing the guy but i liked both of those turtles movies yeah, i don't think he directed them did he i think he produced them and I, I have to admit i like both of them so there you go so what makes those work and not transformers was it because you're so attached to transformers no it's not because i'm less precious about the turtles um i was a big fan of the turtles as well probably for a year or two when i was a, a kid but um i think they're a bit more faithful to the the comic and the cartoon because I think Turtles was a comic before it became cartoon and um, yeah, it's relatively faithful. I, it, it, it also had, listen, both those movies had enough in them that would have me sort of complaining usually, you know, um, but I didn't see them at the cinema for a start and I wasn't ever going to be crestfallen if they turned out to be poor. So I think, um, yeah, I've got to take back what I said earlier. I probably am less precious about them, I suppose. Yeah, which is, but but but, do you hear fans of that franchise slating those films, or, or have they generally been praised? Well, I, I was a fan of that franchise. I remember as a kid, and um, I watched. So my my nephew um, is crazy about turtles. Uh, he watches the new, you know, the new series, animated series on Nickelodeon and all that. And um, so I sat down with him to watch the first. Um, of these new turtles movies and you know, the michael bay produced turtles movies um i haven't seen the second one and i was appalled i hated it i i, I absolutely hated it yeah so um i immediately put on the um the, the original movie uh the one the, the 1990 movie and he hated it he absolutely hated it um he said it was boring I'm not quite sure why he, he said it looked rubbish and i i guess there's something about these newer versions they're bigger they're they're louder they're more bombastic they're you know the cg is is more impressive that appeals to these younger audiences but i actually think that the old turtles movie the 1991 is more true to the comics and it holds up well even today um the the martial arts the fighting is better and even the costumes you know they're not cg they're, they're, they're guys in costumes and even that works watching it today but maybe that i've just got my nostalgia glasses on i don't know that's that is actually interesting you know when we have our opinions challenged by 10 year olds or whatever um no, that's a five-year-old <laughs> better um yeah i i think i kind of know what you're saying but i i can understand why your nephew would have reacted that way i think um the budget of that movie 1990 i don't think it was that big and yeah the viewers kids are probably more sophisticated now than we were at, at that when we were that age because obviously effects and and whatever have moved on um but yeah i guess we're gonna have to beg to differ a little bit because I, I don't think i was as unimpressed with the uh, the new turtles films 
as you. I kind of like them. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, maybe maybe I'll give the second one a, a, a chance. I, I I I haven't seen it. I've seen footage of Krang and how they pulled off Krang, and ooh, I don't know. I'm not. I have mixed feelings about that. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I, maybe maybe if my nephew uh, you know wants to watch it again, I'll sit down and watch it with him. I I I didn't sit around for twenty years imagining. Oh God, I wonder what it would be. Uh, what it would be like if um, they made. Uh, turtles as a live action film and what bebop rocksteady and krang what they would all look like i didn't spend 20 25 years thinking that i did sit around for 20 years thinking that about transformers um so there was there was definitely an expectation for, for the transformers movies that wasn't there with turtles so i guess uh i guess that's probably played into my reaction as well to the films yeah most likely most likely uh well um other silly remakes unnecessary remakes i won't I'll go into too many more because we've, we've been through a few already but uh, you know they're remaking shaft again do you know that? i heard something about that and yeah, i just couldn't believe it so we already had the uh the, the re what was it a sequel or re- no it was a, it was like a reboot wasn't it because the, the one with sam jackson came out in 2000 was richard roundtree was actually in it as the original yeah. John Shaft. So yeah, it was like a a reboot or, or whatever. And um so yeah, they're remaking Shaft again. It's gonna be a comedy this time. Um I would imagine it's gonna be really sort of cheesy and kitsch and you know, all sorts of seventies throwbacks in there. And it's the showrunner of um Blackish, uh, Kenya Barris, who's behind that one. Um they should leave that alone. Yeah, terrible idea. Sounds like they just want to make a send up of black exploitation cinema, which is so obvious. It's so right. I mean, they 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 sent it up already with "I'm going to get you, sucker," didn't they? In the eighties. Well, exactly. So they, yeah, yeah. It's been done. Yeah, it's a waste of time. Well, like I, I said before, it seems like in terms of cinema and Hollywood, um, they're creatively bankrupt. But um why is it then you think that tv at the moment is much more interesting and funnily enough you've got um you've got you know big actors big actresses who are who are moving towards tv and and because is it because the writers are, are able to take more risks i think the attitude um has changed because the line between i think the whole trick that hollywood pulled in the 50s where to make movies in widescreen in technicolor bigger scale differentiate from television in the 50s so it was a big threat wasn't it tv um that was a wake-up call to hollywood so i mean let's face it if tv hadn't come about in the 50s hollywood would have carried on making movies in black and white in four by three with uh you know, with small budgets they wouldn't have innovated it took the war against tv for them to get their asses in gear i think that's happened again now um, in a different way, there's the internet's kind of democratized a lot of things, and it's so much easier now to get a hold of movies by downloading them. And uh, they're trying all sorts of tricks with the cinema, aren't they? And um, so there's a lot of money to be made from those consumers now, from streaming services and things like that, and via TV shows and the advertising revenue from these TV shows and, and the way that they can sell them multiple times effectively. Um, so Great that it's doing that. I wouldn't 
agree that it's another golden age for TV, as some people are calling it. Certainly, the scale and the 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 budgets of a lot of these TV shows. You know, if somebody had told us twenty years ago, we wouldn't have believed it. Um, but um, I've got to be honest with you here. I am not cock a hoop about any of those uh, big TV shows. Oh. Um, whether they be Netflix or anything. I, there's nothing that I've watched which is not my socks off. I mean, let me let me tell you. So you're the second person who doesn't like Game of Thrones. The first person being me, because I seem to be the only one out there who doesn't like it. Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of Lord of the Rings. Why would I gravitate towards Game of Thrones? It's for people who, again, aren't very demanding. It's like that, The Walking, The Walking Dead. Is that the the, the zombie TV show? That's one of the many zombie TV shows. Yeah. Right. Yeah, are they better than any of the zombie movies? No, we've all, we've seen it already. It's been done before. You know, let's face it. As much as I loved Sopranos, Sopranos was basically Goodfellas as a TV show, wasn't it? And um, I think they've they've just sort of started doing that, haven't they? With a lot of properties, they thought, why don't we just make a TV show of Day of the Dead, or why don't we just make a TV show of Lord of the Rings, but put lots of sex in it? Well, they've actually, you know, you, they've actually done what they've actually done is well, that's true, but they've they've actually m- brought some film franchises to TV. So, like just over the past year or so, I think we've seen the Mi- Minority Report. We've got Westworld, which is doing well. The Exorcist, Lethal Weapon, Rush Hour—they're all TV series now. And um, I, 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 yeah, I don't watch, yeah, they look terrible. I don't watch any of them. I heard Westworld was good, but I haven't, I haven't watched it. Um, I'm not sure how you could turn The Exorcist into a TV series, is it? Yeah. <laughs> a, different, a different exorcism every week or something. I'm not quite sure how that works. Yeah, I think um, Westworld might in its own right be an okay TV show, but do I really... Are there any other messages from that universe which I think are worth listening to? I don't, I don't really think there's anything that Westworld could tell us that, Termin- that we haven't already seen in Terminator or the original Westworld movie. It's lazy. Again, it's like, look, there's a little bit of inbuilt brand awareness. So why don't we make this? Why don't we make that? It's good. It's nice when they make a few extra episodes of The X-Files or they make a third season of Twin or whatever. That's fine. But that's fine. What, That's a continuation. Here's That's something lovely. which. Yeah, yeah. But there's other examples which really hurt me, like Star Trek Discovery. It's going to be set before the time of Kirk. So again, taking a step backwards. Yeah, I really did that. With Why Enterprise. don't Why they that again? make... Well, you tell me. Why don't they just step forward in time, you know, by 100 years after, let's say, uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and make an all-new Star Trek TV show true to the humanist principles of Gene Roddenberry and set it, you know, in, way in the future? Because... That I would laugh because that would require imagination and creativity they just don't know how to do that so it's easier to move backwards it's easier to play around with nostalgia it's easier you know um how, i mean how many years before the original the original um, um star trek is this new star trek discovery set um i think it might only be set a decade or something before kirk well then you know what you're going to see kirk you know exactly you know you're going to see them you're going, to, you're going to see all of these already established characters and already established relationships. And yeah, it's just going to be, it's lazy. It's a quick and easy way to just, oh, let's 
knock together a quick Star, a Star Trek series. Yeah, so, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And Gene Roddenberry isn't here anymore, and, and you know the next generation was brilliant, and Gene Roddenberry was actually was 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 involved in that initially. I think he died. When did Gene Roddenberry die? Did yeah, he he before he died, obviously the series came to an end. Obviously, but when? Yeah, maybe two or three seasons into production. But if you listen, if you if you look into the production history of the Next Generation, it's very interesting and very very convoluted as well. His vision, what the show really was when it really it really hit stride in seasons four five six whatever you know some of the best television ever in my opinion star yep. trek the next generation yeah and it's based on what gene roddenberry wanted it to be he wanted it to be humanist i.e an optimistic um series about uh, what's going to happen to humanity moving forward and let's let's challenge ourselves let's, let's have challenging themes that we're tackling here challenging episodes let's even kill a lead character unexpectedly you know halfway through one of the seasons which they did with tasha yar you know they were challenging us and um you look back right now some of the best tv ever sort of created and and you're right with this star trek discovery it just is like oh god i mean i I thought it was bad enough that um they turned star trek into star wars with the bloody jj abrams movies which, which they're not science fiction movies they're just adventure films and if they do the same with this I mean, they're promising us new planets. And it's like, okay, well, how about some new concepts? Can you find a new way to challenge us thematically? You know, I don't really want fan service. I want a quality TV show. And yeah, you're right. I don't think we're going to get that. No, I'm not going to get that at all. And that's going to be a Netflix exclusive, isn't it? That, that Star Trek series, I believe. In, in the UK, I think in um, I think they're going to try and use it to really promote their uh, the CBS subscription tv service in the u.s but yeah in the uk i think it's going to be on netflix okay okay um yeah so well these things uh, remakes even find their way to tv and um actually the one thing i wanted to watch and i'm still trying to get hold of the pilot and i can't find it was um beverly hills cop they tried to bring beverly hills cop to tv and they did shoot a pilot episode um and it's supposed to be it's supposed to follow Axel Foley's son is going to be played by Brandon Jackson. And uh, Eddie Murphy, Axel Foley, was in the pilot and he was going to, and the idea was him, he, was, he would reappear from time to time. But I can't, can't find it. It, it, it obviously didn't, it didn't test very well. And um, I think the network who were interested in it, CBS, pulled out and said, no, nah, we don't want it. But that's a lost pilot. That was only shot, what, a couple of years ago, maybe? One of the reasons why they scratched it is because Eddie Murphy kept stealing the show every time he was on screen he, 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 he was so funny that they thought they were they might be better off making a, a fourth film like another sequel instead of a tv show isn't that why they scrapped it um yeah i heard uh that's one of the reasons why they scrapped it but and i suppose they couldn't really commit to having if eddie murphy was stealing the show every time he well they only shot the pilot but if he was stealing the show and he was only going to come back every now and again they couldn't commit to having having him in every episode so it, it, it yeah the whole concept becomes useless um in terms of making another movie i've not heard anything i've not seen any signs that they, they, they're going to do another one it's probably too late anyway late in the day for that but um yeah it's a shame i'd, I'd like to get hold of that pilot somehow and have a look i'm curious i think the showrunner of um the shield sean ryan was behind it and i like the shield really good show yeah the shield had had some merit to it and, and you you love that show don't you so yeah i'd be fascinated if that does ever um 
see the light of day, um, let me know. Having said that, um, if, however, that pilot isn't very good, if it's, for example, of the same quality uh, as if it's of the same quality as the um, the music video that Eddie Murphy had for that song that he released, "What's Up," where he had Michael Jackson in the video, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. If I it's of that, that quality, maybe if it's of that quality, maybe it's better that it didn't see the light of day. <laughs> and now you brought back the horrible memories of that music video. And what, yeah, once you see that video, it's very hard to get out of your head. Okay. <laughs> okay I, um, I had to clean my eyes as well. Yeah, true that. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about uh, remakes and reboots. And um, so finally, very finally, what shouldn't they touch? What should they absolutely not touch remake at all? One example. Um, well, Godfather, you can't improve on that. Ah, mm. do you remember the? It was it's a hoax. So, but there was um, it was like literally was it a year or so ago, a couple of years ago that there was a hoax that they were remaking it, and Johnny Depp was going to play Vito Corleone. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I watched part one and two again a couple of weeks back, and um. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, when you, you watch a film and then you want to watch it again a couple of years later and maybe you watch it again a few years later and you see different things in it. And sometimes a film gets better with multiple viewings. Sometimes it gets worse. That movie always holds its own, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they should touch it. I think they will do eventually. Um, whether it's on TV or if it's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a remake of the movie itself, the movies themselves, I don't know. But I, th I think they'll go back to that. My, my, my pick is Back to the Future. Shouldn't touch that. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to, but it, that was a product of its time. You can't bring that into, let's say, for argument's sake, 2016 and remake that and have that work. I don't think it would work. I, obviously, we spent a lot of time on, on it earlier, so I won't say too much more. But what I would say is if they did touch it again, I think they should make a sequel. If, if they ever do. Maybe a movie where they've got some kid some descendant of Marty McFly and he has his own adventures. I'd, I'd entertain the idea of them doing that um, more so than a reboot, but you're they, probably right. They, they did They did that. They did that. The adventures of Jules and Vern. It was in the animated series, Back to the Future. Remember that? Doc's Kids? <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a cartoon and it was kind of terrible. It, it didn't keep my interest, but um, in fact, there's a, a Back to the Future comic as well, which I've just sort of, I haven't don't own it, but I, I've looked through a few issues, and uh, the artwork's kind of superb. But um, it's uh, they, they were there's too much fan service in that uh, in that comic as well. It's a bit like what I said with Star Trek earlier. They should, if, if they want to have a brand and reinvigorate it, they should move forwards. They shouldn't be too concerned with fan service and whatever. They should try and do it fresh. You know, don't repeat yourselves. As, as Lucas said, he wanted to do with episode seven. He wanted to do something different. Yeah. You know, he wanted a water world instead of another sand planet. You know, it's, you should always be challenging yourself. But that's you're right. It's anathema to um, the way Hollywood sort of thinks, isn't it? Did I even say that word right? Anathema. Anathema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll look it up after after this podcast <laughs> okay i think that's probably about all the time we've got 
for this episode and it's been a good chat actually it's been a fascinating conversation thank you so much bronson for joining us again yeah no problem it's been really enjoyable uh, come back soon and we can talk more on on cinema and hollywood and the like um so thank you for listening to this episode of intersection um you can subscribe to us if you haven't done so already you'll find information on how to subscribe on our website which is intersectioncast.com uh, we're listed on all the major podcast directories including itunes if you have any questions or feedback or anything you want us to to cover at all in any future episodes you can email us at feedback at intersectioncast.com. You can also drop us a Skype voicemail uh, at feedback at intersectioncast.com. That's our account. If you want to follow us on social media, our Twitter account is at Let's Intersect. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash intersectioncast. Well, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of The Intersection. And until the next time, that's a wrap. the intersection. intersection.